blockbuster hit, Avengers Endgame. Now, if you're not a fan of these movies, this movie was the culminating and concluding chapter of 22 movies intertwined over 11 years of filmmaking. And so even if you're not a fan, I got to tell you, you have to admit, this is quite an achievement. It's never been done before in the history of cinema. So let me start today by asking you a question. Who is your favorite superhero? And I want to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell them who your favorite superhero is. Go. Okay, okay, good. So I heard some Supermans. I heard some maybe Wonder Womans, Iron Man, Batman, Captain Marvel. I even heard some Jesus out there, right? Because Jesus is the greatest superhero of all time. So when it comes to comic book stories, there's basically a rivalry between two companies. There's, on the one hand, there's DC, and on the other hand, there's Marvel, of which Marvel is obviously the better one. Uh, DC brand names like Superman and Batman and The Flash and Wonder Woman, uh, they have those, and then Marvel has the Avengers. Well, if you don't know, you might be asking the question, who are the Avengers? And I, I put them on the screen behind me here. Uh, in the movies, there is six original Avengers, and again, you can see them on the screen. There's Thor, the God of Thunder, there's the Hulk, there's Hawkeye and Black Widow, Captain America, and of course, Iron Man, whose alter ego is Tony Stark. He was the one who kicked the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe off 12 years ago. These are, as they are famously called, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. They are the ones who will save the planet when no one else can. Now, at this point, some of us in the audience may be geeking out and thinking about our favorite character, but others of us are saying, objection, I don't like comics. I have no interest in hearing about a kid's movie. Well, I hear where you're coming from, but let me pause for a second and just try to make a brief case for why comic book movies and superheroes in general can be a gateway into spiritual conversation. First, the, let's just admit, these movies have made a lot of money. Like, I got to tell you, the last two Avengers movies have grossed $5 billion worldwide. $5 billion. Now, I don't know where you come from, but where I come from, that's a lot of money. Avengers Endgame is now the highest grossing movie of all time, and so clearly these movies are touching a nerve in people. Now, secondly, since 9-11... When an evil act of injustice was perpetrated against our country, the most popular movie genre has been superhero movies. People are longing for heroes who can save us from such atrocities. And then finally, I would simply point out that comic books have always spoken to the current cultural moments, and this movie's no different. Movies like Black Panther and, and Captain Marvel have connected with issues of race and women's empowerment, just to name a couple. And while all those things are true, I think there is a much simpler explanation, and it's this. We are longing for heroes and good storytelling. In fact, cultural commentator John McAteer puts it this way. He says, the phenomenal popularity of Marvel superheroes in recent years is, for better or worse, feeding some sort of spiritual hunger in American culture. Did you hear that? Comic books are awakening a spiritual desire in people's hearts. What if you could use a comic book movie to connect people to Jesus? How? Well, let's use Avengers Endgame as, an, as a case study today. It's actually the second part of a two-part story. The first movie is called Avengers Infinity War, and it is just that. It's a war movie. The Avengers fought against their greatest enemy yet, a character named Thanos, 
And his goal was to gather these powerful crystals called the Infinity Stones. And if you're able to get all six of these crystals, you have the power to do anything you want at the snap of your fingers, making you the strongest creature in the universe. Watch this clip as it explains what the Infinity Stones are. At the dawn of the universe, there was nothing. Then, Big Bang sent six elemental crystals hurtling across the virgin universe. These Infinity Stones each control an essential aspect of existence. Space. Reality. Power. Soul. Mind. And time. Tell me his name again. Thanos. So as you saw in this clip, we're immediately introduced to our main enemy, a guy named Thanos. Right, so let me stop here for a moment, and if you don't know, let me just tell you about Thanos. Because he is the biggest, the baddest, the strongest villain that has ever appeared in these movies. In fact, they've been teasing a confrontation with him for six years. And again, his goal is to get all these infinity stones so he can use them to wipe out half of humanity. In his sick and twisted mind, he thinks genocide is a way to salvation. And so to accomplish this, he's going to harness the power of the stones by putting them in this magical glove, which looks a little bit like this. The stones light up when they're in his hands, right? If you harness the power of these stones, uh, and you, all you have to do is just snap your fingers, and anything you desire will come to pass. Does anybody want me to pass along this uh, glove so you can take a try at this? Anything you desire can come to pass. <laughs> now what's interesting is Thanos comes from the Greek word thanatos. The word is most frequently cited, the word that is most frequently cited for death in the New Testament. In fact, for example, Paul writes this to the church at Rome. He says this. He says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death, thanatos, through sin, and so death, thanatos, spread to all men because all sinned. See, when sin entered the world, death entered the world. And now all of us have experienced the pain of death in our lives, now, because sin has entered the world, we will die. In fact, the Bible talks about three different kinds of death. First, there's physical death. That when God created the world, he did not mean for human beings to die. The world was perfect. But now, because of sin, death reigns in this world. And so we get sick. We get diseases. We watch others die. Now, secondly, there is spiritual death. That because of sin, we are spiritually dead apart from repenting and placing our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. And when we're spiritually dead, sin reigns in our lives, and we can't even fight back. Now, finally, there is eternal death. That if we never move from spiritual death to spiritual life, the scriptures tell us that we will be eternally separated from all that is good and true and beautiful. We'll be eternally separated from God. Now this movie is called Avengers Endgame, and that's a really, really interesting title. Because it's based on a line from the previous movie, and there's one character, Doctor Strange, who was able to use the time stone to see the future. 
He saw what was going to happen, and he knew that the Avengers had to focus not on the present circumstances, but on the end game. And so, church, that's our great spiritual lesson today. Because if you've read the Bible, if you're a Bible scholar out there, you know that even though death is present in the here and now, there is an end game for all believers. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. That one day, as painful as this world can be, Jesus the King will come back to make all things new. In fact, Bible scholar N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, the Christian hope is not life after death, it is life after death life after death. The new heavens, the new earth, where Jesus will defeat Thanatos, death, once and for all. And because of that, we know it's going to be okay. But I think most Christians don't live with the end game in view. We're too focused on the here and now. And when loss comes, and when suffering comes, and when tragedy comes, if we don't have the end game in view, We will plunge into despair rather than moving forward in hope. And so for the rest of our time today, I want to use endgame to show us that we have to have the endgame in view. And when that endgame is in view, for believers it changes three things. First, it changes our view of despair. Second, it changes our view of battle. And third, it changes our view of sacrifice. People watch these movies with a hunger for spiritual things, whether they know it or not. And so I would exhort us to show them the end game. Let's pray before we look at these three points. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, knowing that you're a good God who loves us, that you're a God who holds the universe in the palm of your hands. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would move us forward in hope, Lord, trusting in you and you alone for salvation knowing that you are all that is good and true and beautiful. And so we give the rest of this time to you, Lord Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So the end game changes our view of despair. Now it's interesting again that the arch enemy of the Avengers in these movies is death. It's Thanatos. And so Avengers Infinity War is part one of these two movies. And if you haven't seen the movie, i got to tell you, it ends with Thanos winning, right? Did you hear that? That at the end of that movie, death wins. Thanos gets all the stones, he puts on his magical glove, he snaps his fingers, and half of humanity is wiped out. Literally, people are turning to dust on the screen. It looked a little bit like this. Just turning to dust, this is Spider-Man. People were crying when they watched him have this happen in the theaters. In fact, I remember sitting in the theater watching that movie when it ended and everybody around me was saying, really? Like, this is how it ends? To which I turned around and said, there's a part two. But life can be that way, right? That when tragedy strikes as Christians, we forget there's a part two. Instead, we're tempted to plunge into despair because we don't know what to do when our heroes lose. In fact, as a pastor, I've stood at the front of this sanctuary and watched during funerals as people grieve the loss of their loved ones. I've held the hands of people in hospital rooms as they were diagnosed with a disease. I've listened to stories of, of children wandering away from the faith and parents losing kids. See, for many of us, in fact, for most of us, we have felt the sting of death's 
curse. We are acquainted with Thanatos, and a common response is despair. And so as part one ends with the Avengers losing, part two, Avengers Endgame, begins by showing the aftermath of their loss. Watch this clip. Couldn't stop him. Neither could I. Lost again. Tony, we lost. This, um... It's been 23 days since Thanos came to Earth. World governments are in pieces. Um, the parts that are still working are trying to take a census, and it looks like he did... He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Thanos wiped out... 50% of all living creatures. 50% of all living creatures. See, Tony Stark walks off the ship and he sees Captain America, and the first thing he says is, we lost. We, we couldn't save everyone. And in any Marvel superhero movie, they, there's always a mission, right? Protect people, defeat the enemy, save the world. And in Avengers Endgame, it's the first time that our heroes lose and they can't do anything about it. Earth's mightiest heroes are powerless and they don't know what to do. The whole world suffered a devastating loss. Millions of people are wallowing in despair. But more than that now, their heroes are gone, lost to their own despair. Now in the movie, after this happens, there's a five-year time jump where we pick up the story with each of our heroes taking a different path following this tragedy. Five years later, we see them still responding to their loss, and the way that they respond is actually, I think, a window into how we respond to loss. Because one, I would say, unhealthy response to pain can be addiction, where we self-medicate through alcohol or drugs or some other addictive activity. That's what happens to Thor here. A much-talked-about point in the movie is that Thor, the god of thunder, shows up five years later with a beer belly. And all he does every day is drink beer and play video games. He chooses to wallow in his failure. A second response to pain could be workaholism, and that's what Black Widow does. She throws herself into work and cuts herself off from any deeper relationships out of fear that she will lose someone again. A third unhealthy response to loss and pain could be distorted anger, and that's what happens to Hawkeye that he chooses to go around the world taking vengeance against criminals. And while he fights crime, his anger is actually making him a criminal himself. Now, healthier responses could be, in, could be getting involved in therapy, and that's what Captain America does. He's in a constant state of grief because of what happened. Or you could choose to move on, and that's what Tony Stark does. That even though there was tremendous loss in his life, Tony chooses to get married and start a family. And now, he's got a lot more to lose. Now, as you look at those screens, what, ask yourself, what is your go-to response to loss? 
And does it have the end game in view? See, the Avengers are experiencing what the disciples experienced at the death of Jesus. That if you were one of Jesus' disciples in the first century and you watched Jesus die on the cross and be buried in a tomb, you must have thought that death won. You must have been in despair. I mean, just picture being one of Jesus' closest followers as you watch Jesus die. In fact, the gospel writer Mark records it this way. He says, and when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. See, darkness covers the earth. And the man you thought was the Savior utters a painful cry and dies. I mean, what would you be thinking? That Jesus was the one you thought was the Messiah, the one you put all your hope in, and now he's dead, and your hope is dead with him. Now, that five-year time jump in Avengers Endgame must have felt like that three days that Jesus was in the grave. I mean, no hope, just despair. The disciples didn't think Jesus was coming back. They thought it was over. But then... Jesus rose from the grave, and hope returned. And so back in our movie, hope returns as a surprising turn of events happens. A few of the Avengers come up with a plan to reverse the death and destruction that Thanos caused, and it involves a new technology that would allow them to travel through time, and so their, their plan was essentially this. The Avengers will go back in time, find all the Infinity Stones before Thanos does, and then use them to bring everyone back that they lost. They call it a time heist. But there's one problem. They need Tony Stark. His superpower is that he's really, really smart, and so they need him to figure out this technology. But now, Tony has a family. He's moved on. He's got a lot to lose. And so here's what happens when they ask him to help him with the plan. Watch this scene. No, trust me, we know what it sounds like. Tony, after everything you've seen, is anything really Quantum impossible? fluctuation messes with the Planck scale, which then triggers the Deutsch proposition. Can we agree on that? In layman's terms, it means you're not coming home. I did. No, you accidentally survived. It's a billion to one cosmic fluke. And now you want to pull a, what do you call it? A time heist? Yeah, time heist, of course. Why didn't we think of this before? Oh, because it's laughable? Because it's a pipe dream? The stones are in the past. We could go back, we could get them. We can snap our own fingers, we can bring everybody back. Or screw it up worse than he already has, right? I don't believe we would. I've gotta say it, I sometimes miss that giddy optimism. However, high hopes won't help if there's no logical, tangible way for me to safely execute said time heist. I believe the most likely outcome will be our collective demise. Not if we strictly follow the rules of time travel. That means no talking to our past selves, no betting on sporting events. I'm going to stop you right there, Scott. Are you seriously telling me that your plan to save the universe is based on Back to the Future? Is it? No. Good. You had me worried there, because be... that's not how quantum physics works. Tony, we have to take a stand. We did stand, and yet here we are. 
I know you got a lot on the line. You got a wife, a daughter. But I lost someone very important to me. A lot of people did. And now, now, we have a chance to bring her back, to bring everyone back. And you're telling me that you won't even... That's right, Scott, I won't. Mommy told me to come and save you. Good job. I'm saved. I wish you'd come in here to ask me something else. Anything else. I'm honestly happy to see you guys. Oh, look, the table's set for six. Tony. Forget it. And I'm happy for you. I really am. But this is a second chance. I got my second chance right here, Cap. Can't roll the dice on it. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. Biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in wishful thinking. No, biblical faith is grounded in a future, in a guaranteed promise that King Jesus will one day return and make all things right. In other words, faith which brings hope is grounded in the end game. John records this in Revelation 21.1. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And when we keep that in view, we can't despair. But as you saw in this scene, Tony had lost faith. He was not willing to give up his own comfort for the sake of the mission. And even though his friends are left to wallow in pain and despair, he has no faith, no hope to help them. And so let me ask you, what keeps you from believing what you cannot see? What keeps you from the hope of the end game? Because for the Christian, the end game is this. It's the restoration of all that we lost. It's something Jesus has guaranteed. It's a future hope that frees us to take a risk for the mission. Now, while Tony's origi- uh, initially opposed to this, eventually he comes around. The mission to save all those people who died, he couldn't not do, and it couldn't succeed without him. He was needed. And so he helps the Avengers figure out the technology, and they suit up for the mission. And as they do suit up for the mission, Captain America gives a rousing speech, exhorting everyone to do whatever it takes as hope returns. Watch this. All right. We have a plan. Six stones, three teams, one shot. Five years ago, we lost. All of us. We lost friends. We lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. Today we have a chance to take it all back. You know your teams, you know your missions. Get the stones, get them back. One round trip each, no mistakes, no do-overs. Most of us are going somewhere we know. That doesn't mean you should know what to expect. Be careful, look out for each other. This is the fight of our lives, and we're gonna win. Whatever it takes. Good luck. He's pretty good, that. Right? All right. Whatever it takes. 
See, the Avengers were willing to do whatever it takes for a mission to save millions of lives. They're willing to do whatever it takes to return hope to a world wrought with devastation. And I would ask, are we, church, willing to do that? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to see people saved and enter the kingdom of God? Because each of us has a role to play. And someone's life may be depending on you. Keep the end game in view. And it won't be easy. We always must keep the end game in view, but we also have to keep in mind our second point, which is this. The end game changes our view of battle. See, when hope is restored, it will take you into battle. Like spiritual war will be waged because our, our enemy does not want to see Jesus win. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote a long letter to the church at Ephesus uh, teaching them how to live as the church. And at the very end of the letter, he concludes by saying this. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Did you hear what he said? He said, you got to suit up like Iron Man because there is going to be a war There is an enemy who knows your next move better than you do, so you better be alert. And you have to stand against this enemy. In fact, this war is not for the faint of heart. Look at what he says next. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. See, what are we fighting against? We're fighting against an enemy who cannot be seen. It'd be much easier if we stepped into a boxing ring and we knew, uh, we, we knew what our opponent looked like so we can size them up. But our enemy is invisible and he's crafty. He knows our hearts and he has legions at his command. Do you ever feel like you're in a spiritual war with an unseen force in this world? I mean, this is an enemy who could be attacking your family, This is an enemy who could be attacking your your mind, feeding you lies, and keeping you in addictive behaviors. This is an enemy who could appear so scary that all you want to do is run and hide. And Paul here says, no, you got to suit up for battle and stand firm because people's lives depend on it. Now, when war rages around us, we have two choices. Either one, we can go run, hide, and survive, we can make the choice to save ourselves while others around us die, or we can stand firm and keep the end game in view. Because the cosmic end game is described in the book of Revelation, where the author John begins by writing to seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, exhorting them to stand firm when persecution comes. Now, as Pastor Dave mentioned, stay tuned because we'll be preaching a series on these churches beginning September 15th. But later in the book, John describes a future battle between the forces of darkness and the forces of light, where the armies of the great beast are terrifying. John writes this. He says, and I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world and assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. 
I mean, do you just see this description? That there's dragons, there's beasts, there's demons. All the kings of the earth are gathered together to make war against God and against his followers. John is describing a future battle at the end of time when Satan, the great deceiver, will gather his forces of darkness and there will be a line in the sand. And we'll see who wins. And every spiritual battle we encounter today is pointing forward to that day, to the end game. And it needs to change our view of battle. Now back in the movie, the Avengers do indeed go back in time. And they do collect all the infinity stones. And they're able to use them to bring all the people back who died in the first movie with a snap of their fingers. But just as that happens... Thanos returns. Death won't die easily. And so the third act begins with Iron Man and Captain America and Thor facing off against Thanos in this amazing fight scene. And each one of our heroes puts on their armor and stands firm against the enemy, but he he proves too strong for them alone. Thanos, the personification of death, knocks down our heroes and then calls forth his legions to finish them off once and for all. And so in this next scene, just picture, just picture the great battle at the end of time between the armies of God and the armies of darkness. Watch this.
next couple minutes is one of the greatest battles that has ever been put forth in, on screen. Uh, and, and in fact, I was waiting for six years for Captain America to say, Avengers, assemble. In fact, there's even a return of the king because T'Challa, the Black Panther, the king of Wakanda, comes with his army. And church, what I'm pointing to here is that Jesus says the same thing to us. That in the here and now and in the future, he tells us to put on our armor and one day Jesus will return and cry out, not Avengers assemble, but Christians assemble. And then he will be leading us into battle against our great foe. Look at how John describes it in Revelation 19. He says, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and the one sitting on it is called faithful and true And in righteousness he judges and makes war. He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Do you see? Do you see how that scene looks like that? Captain America is all alone on the battlefield at the beginning. And even in the midst of overwhelming odds, he moves forward in faith. He stands firm. And as he moves forward in faith, help arrives. And that is the message for us, church, that no matter how many times the enemy comes at you, no matter how broken and bruised you are, no matter how much opposition is coming against you, help is on the way. Keep the end game in view. And one day, one day heaven will be opened up and the armies of heaven will be unleashed upon the father of lies. Church, are you ready for battle? Because like it or not, it's all around us. Keep the end game in view. Because finally, when you keep that end game in view, it changes our view of sacrifice. Because when you go to battle, sacrifice is always required. But too many of us are like Tony Stark early in the movie. We're reluctant warriors. And what's ironic is that in the final battle, Tony puts on his suit of armor and becomes Iron Man, the warrior. But earlier in the movie and earlier in Tony's life, he was putting on a suit of armor to protect himself because he was scared and selfish. And we often create suits of armor to protect ourselves from war, not to go to war. Those suits of armor keep us from letting people speak into our lives. They keep us from loving people well. They keep us from obeying Jesus. That we don't sacrifice because we focus on ourselves and on the here and now. We don't have the end game in view. Back in the very first Iron Man movie, Tony Stark was all about himself. He was self-centered, he was egotistical, he was fearful and controlling and greedy. In fact, he announced to the world that he was Iron Man to gain fame. Now, over the course of 11 years and 22 movies, Tony went on a journey where he grew. Tony was in many battles, And he suffered many losses and disappointments. And it wasn't until this moment at the end of Avengers Endgame that Tony was able to make a true sacrifice. Because true sacrifice requires giving something up. Tony 
got back into the mission not wanting to lose his family. He just wanted everything to stay the same. But at the climactic moment of the final battle, the Avengers are about to lose again. Thanos, death himself, has fought off everyone. He's got back the Infinity Stones. He's about to snap his fingers and kill again. And it's in this moment that Tony Stark recognizes that he is the only one who can stop him. And so he moves forward in faith and makes the ultimate sacrifice. Watch our last clip. Now, I won't show you the rest of the scene, but Tony, because he's human, cannot survive the power of using the Infinity Stones. It's too much for him, and in a very moving moment, Tony dies. The Gospel writer John records this in one of his letters. He says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
And I got to tell you, I don't cry at movies, <laughs> but I just bawled during this whole scene. And uh, Amanda looked at me and was like, are you okay? <laughs> it, but you know, movies hit you on a number of levels. And for me, there was, I remember the first time I saw this movie like 12 years ago. And so th this was like looking back over the last 12 years of my life. And secondly, Tony's got a daughter. And his sacrifice meant that she would grow up without her father. And I lost my dad when I was young. But I was also reminded that this is a picture of what Jesus did for you. Do you recognize the gift that Jesus Christ gave for you? Have you received that gift? Because this is a picture of Jesus' substitutionary work on the cross. And I gotta tell you, Jesus always had the end game in view. That for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its shame to secure salvation for us. And by wearing the infinity stones, Tony Stark took on the weight of the universe for the salvation of others. By snapping his fingers, he willingly gave his life so you and I could live, so his family could live. Do you see where we're going? That Jesus Christ went to the cross and he took on the weight of sin and the wrath of God. That Jesus didn't snap his fingers, but he stretched out his arms and willingly gave up his spirit so you and I could live. See, Tony's sacrifice defeated death himself, Thanos. But his story shows us our own journey as followers of Christ because our path to growth rests in two things, resting in the finished work of Christ on the cross and trusting in the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit who helps us to take off our protective armor and grow into Christ's likeness. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross defeated the last enemy, Thanatos, death himself. And so Paul writes this to the Corinthians. He says, Thanatos is swallowed up in victory. Thanatos, where is your victory? Thanatos, where is your sting? Because the sting of Thanatos is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, death, Thanos taunts all of us saying, I am inevitable. But Jesus looks death straight in the eyes and says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the great I am. And death flees in fear. Because on the cross, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, death is not inevitable. Thanatos, you may still be present in the here and now, but in the future... In the end game, you're going to burn in the lake of fire. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that, church? That Jesus is the one who secured the end game for us where he defeated death on the great battlefield of the cross. He didn't wield the infinity stones, but he holds the universe in the palm of his hands, 
Which is why Paul can proclaim this truth. For if by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness and life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Because that is the gospel. And the next time you talk about the Avengers with somebody, talk about that. There's a spiritual hunger in people, and they're spending $5 billion looking for it. Help them find the timeless, priceless message. As the old hymn puts it, love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight, the battle won. Death in vain forbids him rise. Christ hath opened paradise. Hallelujah. Church, do you have the end game in view? Because when you do, it changes your view of despair. It changes your view of battle. And it changes your view of sacrifice. Amen? Amen. Let me invite the worship team to come back on stage. There's one final song we're going to do. And as they come, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, humbled, thankful, grateful for you and for what you've done, for your goodness and your grace, Lord. And I I pray for my friends here today. Lord, I pray that the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ would be something we would never forget, something we're always grateful for, Lord. May the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit move us forward in battle, sharing that great truth and pointing people who are spiritually hungry toward our great Savior who stretched out his arms on the cross for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand, church.